Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Greetings and welcome to episode 273 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name is Abutments. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, yeah. My name's Barbara. Barbara. Abutment so what guy. do you mean your name is Abutments? That's your name. I know I it is. Facetious. I know. So I know you want to talk about this because you've been shouting it all over Facebook and you've already been raising money, I see. Oh, yeah. We don't uh-huh. wait. That's what you don't do. <laughs> it is official. It's all lined up and we have all registered. Yes. That's right. I have finally found people dumb enough to join me in the Chicago Triathlon this year. I'm excited. I'm so excited for you. Super excited. I was actually out running this morning, and the shirt I had on was the last race I did was 2019. Oh, that's so great. It's like it's been a while. I know. So every year, Chicago Triathlon, we all participate and raise money for the Foundation for Dental Laboratory Technology. Now, Barb, you're a bad ass, right? You're, you do this race by yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm already training, just saying. I did 17 miles on the bike yesterday morning. 17 miles on the bike? Yes. Yowzer. I haven't gotten in the pool yet, but I've already been biking and running. So, anyhow. Yeah, so you do this all by yourself. Me? Mm, not so much. You almost killed yourself on the bike. Yes. yes. <laughs> not funny. Not funny, but it's funny. Yeah. It changed my perspective of two-wheeled bicycles. I bet it did. But listeners of the podcast know that every year, Barb and I, we probably talk about this race a little too much. At least for a couple months, for sure. At least. But the (laughs) cause is dear to both of us, and we hope it is for most of our listeners, too. So every year in August, during the Chicago Triathlon, a bunch of people in our industry sign up to participate, and as they train and get ready... They also raise money for the foundation. How many times have you done this race, Barb? Oh, I think this is probably the ninth time. It's every time. I, the only time I skipped it was when I was going through some personal stuff that one year. So probably nine. Yeah, nine, eight or nine times. That's pretty, yep. that's pretty hardcore. So this will be the second time. As the first time I was going to do it all by myself, I actually fell off my bike while mm. I was training. So we don't talk about that. But this year, this team, thanks to the good Mark Williamson, who's going to be biking, he kind of rallied up this group. So huge props to Mark. And then joining us is Bobby Kenny, who is from Florida and knows what water is and will be swimming. Yeah, and I told him, you better train, man. That water's treacherous. Yeah, but if you're swimming in the ocean, I mean, isn't it? Better. Yeah, well, still need to train. I would agree. You don't need to do it at least 10 times before you get in the freaking Lake Michigan. It's not easy. And but. we are calling ourselves, as you said, the abutments. <laughs> we try to think up something funny. We try to come up with a name that people will like recognize. It. Yeah, it works. It works. Yeah, I like it. But now it is that time where we're asking all of you, the industry, to sponsor us as we race for the future. And that's what they call the race, the race for the future. All you have to do is go to dentallabfoundation.org and click the Donate Today button. Yeah, and then hit Barbara Warner. Okay, once you log in, you have to choose the race for the future option, and then it'll ask you to enter the race's name. As Barb says, enter her name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So this is where it gets fun. You can either... This is where it gets fun, Joe. You can either support me and Team Abutments by typing in Team Abutments, or you can support Barb by typing in Barb Warner. Or you can support neither of us. Yeah, you could choose somebody totally different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It can be any amount, anywhere from a dollar and up. All of it will take. Now, we'll put a link on this episode's show notes to make it super easy. But if you can't decide who to donate to between Barb and I, the foundation has agreed that if you put Voices from the Bench as the racer name, they will split it between our two teams. That's nice. So, if you love me more, (laughs) type in the abutments. If you love Barb more, type in Barb. If you love us equally, Voices from the Bench. It's that easy. 
Aww. But just remember, this is a friendly competition as all the no, money goes to the it same is not place. Friendly competition <laughs> at all. <laughs> okay, you can say it is, but you know. Yeah, Barb's out for blood. <laughs> but all the money goes to the same place to support education within our industry. So please, yeah. please donate today. So moving on to this week, we have a really cool conversation with a lady that has some opinions about people in the model room. A few. But this is because she is a model room technician. Marsha Mays tried the dental assisting and hygiene route, but a pregnancy and an office policy kept her off track just enough to find and fall in love with dental laboratory work. But like most new employees, she was thrown into the model room where she actually found out she was pretty good, like really good. Marcia talks about her path and situation that leads her to a few different labs, working in different model rooms, some really cool tricks that she has learned along the way, and the real reason she came on, to talk about why we should all be showing more appreciation and gratitude to those that physically do a lot of work that sets the foundation for all of the other work. So join us as we chat with Marsha Mays. Your digital inspiration is important to Ivaclar, and they have the technology to support your digital future. Whether you are just about to introduce digital production into your lab, or if your laboratory is already set for the digital revolution, Ivaclar has the technology, the support, and service package for your specific needs. From the new and impressive PrograScan scanners to the Programmetal lineup of milling systems and the Programmat furnaces, Ivaclar has you covered with technology and trusted materials like iBotion, Emacs, and Circad Prime. All of this under one roof. Customize your digital journey today by contacting your friendly Ivaclar sales representative. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast, and we appreciate your support, Ivaclar. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We are excited today to welcome to the podcast. Now, this is kind of new for us, Barb. Marsha Mace reached out to me on Instagram. No, not on Instagram. I know. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, that's surprising right there. Yeah, I spend too much time there. But she reaches out to me and asks, how come we've never done an episode about people in the model room? Super excited. Yeah, so we started thinking, well, there's no real reason we haven't. We just haven't found the right person. Marsha, you up for it? I guess so, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> You're our first. <laughs> Not that we haven't had people on that poor models, but Barb's from a big lab. I come from a pretty decent sized lab. We all know how important it is. Yes. That the model room technician does it right. <laughs> the foundation of everything we do. Yeah. Everything. So, Marsha, before we get into the whole model room, how did you come into dental technology? So, let's see. It was for for me forever ago. We're talking like I, I want to say nineteen years ago. Bar- Barb's like that's nothing. <laughs> and, and, I mean, oh, thanks, Elvis. That, that's Jeez. like my whole life. Like <laughs> like my entire time of being a mom. My son's almost twenty, but I was in dental assisting school, and I was. 18, 19, going on 19, I just, I had to do something. My dad insisted I go to school. I'm like, all right, fine. So I was kind of following in the footsteps of one of my aunts. She was a nurse. So I went to nursing assisting school. Hmm. That didn't seem like a good deal for me. And then she became a dental hygienist. I was like, all right, I'll be a dental assistant. And I finished school and I just, I never did my externships chairside, really. I did like half of it chairside, ended up pregnant with my second kid and because I didn't have my vaccines, they're like, well, we can't have you. You can do the desk work. And I started wow. going, yeah, that was it, then, huh? Yeah. yeah. And they ended up putting me, you know, learning how to use the phones and stuff. But it was really depressing for me because I just, I don't like desk work, uh, stuff like that. So, so you went through the whole school of assisting and they don't tell you that you have to have the vaccines in order to 
They did, but I know they said something about the vaccines. <laughs> like, I don't remember exactly. Sure. I know it was like the hep C. It's one of the hepatitis yeah. vaccines. And I just, I couldn't get it because I was pregnant. I was willing to just go and oh. get it done, but because I was pregnant, I couldn't do it. I didn't realize you couldn't get it while you were pregnant. Yeah. My, my gyno was like, uh-uh, you can't, you can't do it. And I'm like, oh, great. There goes my career before you even get started <laughs> yeah. so, so they t they put me you know up at the front desk i started getting really depressed um ended up going out of town to visit some family members came back short uh, loa and they're like we really don't want you back you're too depressing and so Jeez. i go back yeah yeah I was, I was in tears like i was so in tears and i was walking home from that office by myself i couldn't get a ride home oh geez so I go back to the school and this is key business college. We're talking the Corinthian colleges and I go back and I'm like, I don't have an externship now. What do I do? I'm like, well, let's put you in this dental lab. I'm like, wow. all right, fine. So it was a little orthodontic lab, um, not too far from that dental office. And I loved it. And they're like, yeah, we really like you, but we can't keep you because we can't afford to pay another person right now. I'm mm. like, well, sh <laughs> that's so, like four negative things in a row lady yeah I, I really wasn't i really wasn't catching a, a good you know deal there so i ended up finishing school graduating i graduated with honors and i just i sat on my diploma until my pregnancy was done it wasn't until a year later that i am desperate looking for a job i've got two kids on my hip and i sat in front of my computer into the night, like one, two o'clock in the morning, scouring uh, the online newspaper ads in the classifieds. And I got down to the bare bones ads where it's like three lines that this, <laughs> you know, some of these employers could afford. Yeah. And I found the one listing for this dental laboratory technician. I forget the, the whole spiel, but it was like three lines and I applied. They took me in. Make teeth for money. Call now. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and I, I like at the interview, they're like, "We want to hire you on the spot." And I was, in, I was in tears. So, did you try to get a dental assisting job? I never tried or, again. Like, yeah, you were probably like, "See ya, bitches." I, I don't. I'm trying to remember my mindset back then, but it's just, I, I went with what. I felt like I was good at, and I got a lot of encouragement from those lab technicians in that ortho lab. So I just went down that road. Nice. nice. And it, I think another thing about dental assisting is if you don't get hired on in your externship, and this is what they've always told us in school. I don't know if they still do that now, but if you don't get hired on in your externship, good luck getting a job easily. I mean, if you look at the job listings for dental assistants, they want experience. They need a year, two years. Wow. Like you're not, you're not getting a job easily right out of school. Interesting. So I didn't know that. So you basically have to do an externship to be able to even qualify for an actual job in that. In a way. Level. Yeah. Yeah. In wow. a way. You prove it, yourself for free. Well, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Well, we were getting paid in our grades because the externship was part of the program. Sure. So we had to complete the externship to graduate. So it, it's like getting our on, hands on clinicals. Like for yeah. nursing assisting, I had to have a certain amount of hours of clinicals in order to graduate. So it's, 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 it's the same thing, you yeah. know. Yeah. So my clinicals in nursing, you know, I was working in a nursing home. Uh, clinicals for dental assisting, working in a dental office uh, or dental lab. So dental lab, yeah. That's how that worked out. And I worked for that dental lab for three and a half years until the recession hit in 2018. So what did they have you doing when you started? Because you said you, you love models. Is that what you went right into or did you skip around? They put me straight in the model room because that's where they needed it. Wow. They Their previous model room technician that had been with them for a long time had left. And so they needed to replace them. And they were like, you have potential. We need you. You have some knowledge of dental stuff here you go I'm like okay cool and it was the most grueling training i had ever endured in any job i have ever been in i've been in a lot of fast food is it because you stood all day or because they wanted so much volume or like what well, explain that to me it was just i did not expect any of it because the dental laboratory module in dental assisting school 
it was nothing, nothing. I literally oh, had like to just the real wipe world. that. Like yeah. nothing. Like because how long does that teaching last? A day? Um, the module's a month. Wow! Oh, wow. I'm so, surprised. So a lot of the dental assisting courses are eight to ten month courses. Uh, we're we're talking like I mentioned the school Key Business College. Um, have you heard of Everest or Wyatt? Or, I have not. No. Uh, ugh, Centuria, I think, is another one. They might be regional. I'm not sure. It might be, but there are these for-profit schools. Just they kind of get us into the door. They tell us all these promises and stuff. They go for the vulnerable and the so, vulnerable. Yeah. Really, they they really do. They'll yeah. go for a lot of the vulnerable ones. And they take anyone who can clear the money. I yeah, mean, that's what it comes down to. Pretty much. And yeah. so a lot of us who dealt with it, especially the Corinthian colleges back then, we got our loans discharged <laughs> through the forgiveness programs. Oh, that's really? nice. Yep. So that's a positive. That that is a positive. <laughs> yeah, All the stuff that you've been through, Jesus, I would be like, thank you. I deserve that. Yeah, it was it was it was some rough beginnings. But I'm back to your question: Why was it so rough starting in the model room? It just it was not it was not anything I expected. And the owners, they were ceramists. They were um, they were hard. Asses. Yeah. Boom. That's right. I know one of those. <laughs> you are one of those. <laughs> was it just a fixed lab? It was a cosmetic uh, crown and bridge. Somebody have a Playmobil going on in the background? That's my husband. Keep trying to call me. <laughs> oh. Telling him I'm in the podcast right now. <laughs> a little busy right now. So, I'm sorry. What kind of lab was it? It was a crown and bridge lab. Okay. So, I take it it was all analog impressions and they just threw you in there, or did someone actually take the time to teach you? So, Ron and Jeff. So the lab was Henry Schweitzer Dental Arts. Um, it's it okay. no like I said, it no longer exists. But Ron, it was just he was my primary trainer, and he was just a hard. Mm-hmm. He kept seeing this potential, seeing this potential, and pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And me being night, I was nineteen at the time. So yeah, that I hurts. Was a, I was a kid. Yeah, with kids. Being pushed by this grumpy old ceramist yep. to do this potential thing that he kept seeing in me. And I was putting out about 15 cases a day by myself. Yeah. Wow. So you're talking upper, lower, mounted, and die trimmed? Uh, so I didn't do the die trimming. They were very particular about that. They yeah. did their own fine die trimming. Yeah. Um, I did yeah. the gross. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, those are good numbers for such a young age, seriously. That's probably why he was pushing you. Yeah. Because he wanted 30. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was pretty rough. And yes, and, and these weren't just little single units either. They were they had the full arch cases, uh, upper, lower, like you said, and some single units. So it's a mix of everything. And a few implant cases would come in. Um, he would set the implants. And then I would just do my soft tissueing and then pour the models and stuff like that. So you started there and they're no longer in business today. Was that because of the pandemic? That was from the recession. That was 2018. Uh, so that was 2007, maybe eight. Oh, I said 2018. Sorry. Uh, my, get my decades mixed. Yeah, it was 2008. Yep. The I recession remember. hit that f- late summer, fall. Yep. Yep. And business dramatically dropped. Mm-hmm. And I went from being salaried with commission and bonuses to commission only. So the way they did it, and this is something that I've I've heard in the most recent place I've been at, they would have like this, I'm trying to describe it. So like a semi-adjustable articulation would be a $7, arti- $7 thing. Ah. I would get $7 for semi-adjustable articulation. I would get $3.50 for a hinge. Yep. Um, my models were worth $10 a piece. The number of dies, I think I also no, I didn't get something for the number of dies. Yeah. My resin pickup dies were like a buck fifty a piece. Soft tissueing or soft tissue models, so implant models were a whole ten dollars. Yeah. Um. So it was it that was makes like that. sense. We used to call it pro pay, so it was pretty much you know you've got a dollar figure on every single step um, mm-hmm. that you're doing, and so yeah, it's tough to make a living like that, isn't it? 
Yeah, um, that's I. Especially if the work's not coming in. Yeah. It wasn't, and that was the worst part. Like it killed me to leave because I loved them to death. They were like a second family for me. Ron and Jeff were like dads. Yeah, but yeah. I had to go, and I was putting more money out paying the babysitters and gas. Yeah, than, than you were bringing in. Yeah. So then, where'd you go? Um, I sat on my butt and raised children for. A long time. That's nice that you were able to do that, though, honestly. Yeah, that was um, actually when I was with my second husband by that point. And I, you know, you know, I've been together for 15 years since then. And he's been remarkable. I've been able to stay home, take care of the kids. Uh, one of them was sick with cancer. So there was that. Oh, wow. A bunch of other different things, up and, ups and downs in my life. So I was mostly in fast food. And I tried to get back into dental labs, but I just, I couldn't get my feet in the door at all. When did you try to get back in? What year? It was sporadic. It was just whenever, let's see. So we moved to Louisiana in 2012. So that period before then, I did not try to get back into it. So when we came home to Virginia in 2015, I dove headfirst trying to get back into the labs. And I was not getting my feet back in the door at all. And that was me starting to get back into it in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, they, I didn't have the experience as a model room tech. What did you do? I just, I kept sitting on it and sitting on it and hoping for an opportunity. And then a little over a year ago, well, it actually was several years ago. I did try removable. So I was with affordable care for a little bit and that didn't pan out. Did you go through their training program? Affordable care doesn't have like a program program like Aspen Dental does. Oh, okay. I actually did get hired by Aspen Dental right at the beginning of the pandemic in March. Wow. And then they furloughed. Yeah. Yeah. Before I could even do my start date. I had my start date, everything. And I go, by the way, we're furloughed. We'll let you know. (laughs) I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah, right. (laughs) So yeah, I did some stents with removables and I just, I didn't like it. It wasn't. And and this isn't to knock removable, but for me, it wasn't complex enough. Complex enough, interesting. Um, yeah, that, that's just that's how I saw it. Um, okay. When I was yeah. with Affordable Care, one of the technicians I was working with, she was from Crown and Bridge, and she's like, "Yeah, removal is way easier than Crown and Bridge." I've never done it, so I don't even have an opinion on that. <laughs> I bet you everybody's got a separate opinion oh, on yeah, it. I guess course. it, yeah, you know, depends. That's just interesting. I've never heard anyone say it. Yeah. It, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, I've never heard anybody say it. Yeah. But that's, that's the gist of that. Um, then I ended up with my most recent spot for a year and in the model room, high volume, high quality, high end lab. And that's where I started uh, questioning some things about my role as a model room tech, how we are seen or treated and I honestly ended up leaving that place because I wasn't happy with how me and my my coworker at the time were being treated. And and what do you mean by that? Like pay-wise or Um pay-wise, yeah, but also in the way he described it best is that we were the CNAs of the dental lab. What is CNA? <laughs> Certified nurse's assistant. Oh my god, are you kidding me? That was what how he asshole. That's how say. That's how he described his feeling as to how they were treating us back How there. important you were to his lab. That's such bullshit. Well, no, he he no, it wasn't it wasn't the owner of the lab. That was my coworker who worked with uh, me in the model room. That that's gosh. that was him communicating how he felt about. Huh. He felt like they were treating us like the CNAs of the dental lab. Oh, all right. Thank you for clarifying. Sorry. (laughs) Is being a CNA bad? It's not bad, but it's not luxurious. But from my training and my time and then still hearing about it now, it's mostly CNAs work in nursing homes. Oh. And so you're working with the elderly. You're getting dirty. Yeah. And you're not treated very well. Because you're at the bottom of the totem pole. Did you feel like you were being treated poorly? There were some side comments that have been said towards us, uh, like directly toward us, that have made me cock my head and go, really? That came out of your mouth? Really? Like, you're too, like, if we made a mistake, 
the manager had come to us and was like, you guys, I'm really disappointed, this, that, and the other. Somebody's not trimming the bite registrations. And he would never directly say which one of us did it, even though we had requested like, hey, for accountability purposes, can you please come to us individually? We do put our names on the work tickets. So everybody knows who's doing what case. Um, if there's a problem, please come to us so we can fix it. Otherwise, doing the generalized, you guys, it wasn't working. Yeah. And so if somebody didn't trim the bite registrations to his liking, he'd come back and he'd complain about that. And then he, one day, what tipped me off was, you know, I'm the top paid person in this lab and I'm at my desk trimming bite registrations. Yeah. Uh, True. I'm too good for that. Yeah. And I just was like, please don't tell me that he meant like it, I, I took it literally because I'm autistic and I do that, but I also know how to pick up on being jabbed at. And that one hit really hard as not feeling appreciated. Yeah. I don't know about other labs, but the original lab I was at, we had one full-time, probably the longest employee with, with the lab over 30 years. She was in the model room. Mm-hmm. And she was phenomenal. But it was a rotating door of people that were with her. Yeah, same here. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. She owned that room like it was nobody's business. And it wasn't that she was hard to work with. It's just other people couldn't keep up with her and got discouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that the gist of what it was for uh, me and my coworker. Uh, we just, we owned, especially after I got there, um, I replaced the former supervisor of the model room um not as a supervisor but just she left they need to fill the spot so i took the spot and by the time i was done with my first year there i had turned a lot of things around production wise to improve our workflow stuff like that so we were just owning everything we could knock yeah. out 30 cases together no problem and that's just 30 analog cases you know pores start to finish multi-unit cases uh, i did all the implant cases myself and i could have stacks of implant cases like i think i've had up to 10 implant cases that i'd had to set up and then pour on top of you know the regular cases sure and then digital cases would come through that we'd have to base articulate and mount and then things like diagnostic wax ups where we needed to do putty matrices uh, suck downs you name it things like that were thrown at us yeah, so I've got that same thing in my department. He does all of that for, for my area. Yeah. Totally get it. And he's the most experienced. And so, yeah, you, you've got to do pretty much everything when you're at that level. Yeah. It really sucked just not having our department considered, you know, our time didn't seem valuable. And, and, and I don't want to say this is everybody's lab or everybody's experience, but when, when I look around me, I don't see model room techs sticking around very long in the model room. They don't want to stay in the model room. They want to move up. They want to, you know, do more things. And and I think there is this idea that being a designer, being a full-on crown and bridge tech, being a ceramist, there's, in, in my opinion, there's like this glamour to it. You get more prestige. I don't know. I could be wrong. So you got annoyed with them. So so you were like, all right, we're being disrespected. So at that point, you're somewhere else now, correct? So I did go somewhere else. And that was a bait and switch. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was ridiculous. I've not had a good time with this. Um, so they wanted somebody who could do the model work and understand digital and all this other stuff. But I was doing more administrative work. Hmm. So it, it was a bait and switch. Yeah. So you thought you were doing model, but you ended up doing everything but model pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. And so I did leave there and I am actually going to an interview tomorrow to work with the government, hopefully. Foreign models? <laughs> I don't know. Um, they needed a lab technician with experience with all sorts of hand pieces, tools. It's a crown and bridge lab on wow. base. Wow. Oh, for the army? Yes. That's the fantastic. Air Force yes. Good call. Interesting. So, and that's actually been one of my dreams of getting in on base um, just to get a GS position. That's actually where I took my CDT was on the uh, Air Force Base in Colorado. I would definitely like to hear more experience about that because yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, I was too. There's a lot of people in our industry that got started in that fashion on some sort of base. Yep. 
I always get the Army and the Air Force and the Navy confused. I'm a citizen, but (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Paul, I live in the area with the largest naval base in the world and several other bases just everywhere. It's, you know, it's it's Virginia. It's Norfolk, Virginia. So we're just surrounded by military. Nice. Well, that's exciting. It's exciting. It's nerve-wracking. Sure. How did, at the previous lab, did you see... Um, digital models and everything impact your job, like in a good or a bad way? Um, In the, not the most recent, but the one before that one? Yeah. The digital models, uh, I learned something from them. So I call that a good thing. Um, I think the downside is, is that we had to base them instead of the models being designed with the articulator part so you could just snap them together or glue on an orbix or something the lab manager didn't want to do it that way in the event that some of these models needed to be on a semi-adjustable so if you're talking like a fully edentulous patient full mouth of implants it serves better to put it on a semi-adjustable than to try to put it on a hinge or using an orbix or something because in his mind you can't make the movements a certain way you know, stuff like that. Yeah. That, that's sense. Yeah. Hmm. So in that sense, that was the downside because that was that whole slew of work coming in on top of the analog cases. Wow. <laughs> so they were going in a couple directions. Yeah. Yeah. So we could have like 15, 20 digital cases come our way that need to be based and mounted. And then another 15 to 20 of the analog cases coming in that need to be fully processed through. So the company that you're talking to tomorrow, are they pretty much all analog or is that they alluded to how they do their business? Uh, I'm not sure. This is on the Army base and yeah. I've never been in a dental lab on base before, despite my husband having been Navy. I've never had to go in a dental lab there before. So this this will be a different experience. I'm hoping there's digital because I do want to learn digital. I, I do want to become a designer and I do want to take my CDT. I scour the internet for all the information because we don't have a school in Virginia for it that's accredited. Yeah. Hmm. So the next best method is uh, an accumulation of continuing education and experience. And from what I've read, people with five years or more of experience can go ahead and take their CDT if, you know, obviously they have the skills. And I've got over five years of experience I don't need continuing education credit, so I could theoretically go and take my CDT and get that process started, but there's still some skills I'm lacking. So There's some good resources out there. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you had a lot of negative experiences from people within our industry about the model room. Mm-hmm. How can we improve that? I mean, like I mentioned, I worked with a fantastic model room technician. But she wanted to stay there, and most people don't. How can we help to kind of make that a better position for the people that are doing it? Um, Other than just money. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that money is definitely a big factor. Like feeling like we're underpaid for literally doing physical manual labor. And being, that is so important well, it, that is done right. That's what is so mind-boggling yeah, to me. Yeah, like that, that was one of the other big things um, for me leaving. And I'm, I'm going to definitely answer your question. I think I'm going to lead into that. Yeah. But the pay, I felt like I was getting paid good, but I also knew that I brought something to that lab. And they had specifically told me, like, thank you. You have saved us money with some of the things that you brought in. And I'm like, mm. Fantastic all right, you promised me a raise, so what are we at? And they're like, we'll give you a dollar. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Hold <laughs> up. Yeah. Hold up. So besides pay, a little uh, appreciation, like understanding mm-hmm. that this is a manual labor job. We do get our fingers torn up every day. We are at risk for you know getting injured every single day. And I'm not saying other technicians aren't. Because I don't know what ceramists, I mean, I know what they do. I have an idea, but I don't know. They can poke themselves with their brush. (laughs) I don't know the nuances to ceramists and what they do. I just, I know that I'm standing at a model trimmer and I've had models fly off that thing 
and I've had my knuckles ground in um, tabletop, mm. so, tabletop saws. Like the first time I saw a tabletop saw for cutting models, that thing terrified me. I was seriously yeah. thinking I was going to lose my fingers. Oh, yeah. um, the routers, I have lost fingernails on the routers. Mm-hmm. Just there's so much. And on top of that, we are, you know, first level exposure to bloodborne pathogens because, you know, we cut impressions. So hmm. you think they're disinfected, but how many times are they disinfected? And then you start cutting the impression and then the pool of blood comes out. Like, I have where had, was that? I have had several of those happen. And it's just oh, like, sure. oh my God, back into the sink. Here's the cavicide. You're just going to hang out there. And then I'm going to steam you too, just to be sure. So yeah, it's it's just yeah. consideration that we are giving manual labor and also maybe the consideration that the model room can get overloaded with extra tasks. Yeah. Like that that one was rough uh even when I was younger because back then you you guys call it Emacs now, I was divesting Empress too. Mm. <laughs> oh God, I remember that. I bet you that tore up your fingers. Yeah. Well, I th- I think I wore gloves. <laughs> I might have worn gloves. No, I did not take care of my hands when I was younger. I'm Same here. With you. I didn't. Yep. Uh, but divesting Empress too and standing at that sandblaster for, you know, if, if it's an easy little single unit crown, I could knock that out in about 15 minutes maybe. But honestly, it's 30 minutes to an hour depending on how many – I had to cut out and I have to do it gently. Otherwise I'm cracking a veneer and I'm pissing off the waxer. Yep. Hmm. True. I know our model room always used to hate it because, you know, you have your work for the day and that, you know, so many case pans come in and you're all right, I got to pour up all this. That's one thing. But for all the, I need another check die. Oh, I need God, another yes. die. Yep. I need another. I need another. Can you do another? Oh, I used to go in there four or five times a day sometimes. I just dropped like, this model. Yes. I need to glue this articulator. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We hit the die. I need a margin. Solid oh. model. Oh, yeah. yeah. The can same get... way. That's yeah. funny, Elvis. <laughs> uh, I think by the end of my, by the six month mark of being of the last long term place I was at, I was so tired of hearing, can you guys do me a favor? <laughs> no, yep. no, I cannot do you a favor, sir, but I, I know I have to. So what is it? Yeah. Maybe we should have just said please more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's those little things. Like, it's just a little bit more fair pay for what we do and just the consideration of our time and the amount of physical energy. I can definitely say going back into that model room, uh, over a year ago was one of the most painful experiences for me um, because I am disabled. I, I have a lot of chronic physical conditions. And even though I called myself physically active because I was a dancer, I garden, I have a homestead and all these other things that I do, being on my feet eight hours a day was like totally different than pushing a lawnmower on my quarter acre property. Oh yeah. Some people just can't. It's hard. It actually flared up a lot of my medical conditions that were underlying. And just this past October, I was diagnosed with the hypermobile syndrome. What is that? So Ehlers-Danlos or hypermobile spectrum disorders, basically stretchy skin, uh, super flexibility. But there's more nuance to that because it can cause joint pain extensive scarring or abnormal scarring that's very Mm. painful our skin can be very thin yeah and depending on the type if you have certain genetic types which i don't i had to go through genetic testing for that you can have heart problems periodontal problems there's a there's an actual periodontal type ehlers-danlos where your gums all of that is severely inflamed it's receding the connective tissue in your mouth is super stretchy so your teeth will fall out more like it's so it's so much that's crazy and that job flared all of that stuff up i I mean i don't have like i said i don't have the genetic ones so i didn't have the periodontal issues but my spine my joints my everything there are days i'd walk down the hallway with 
you know, case pans and my hip would slip out of socket. And I'm just like, oh, fun. So are you like controlling that now? Is there medicine you can do for that? I mean, how do, how do you handle that? Because I mean, just like you were saying, you're going into another job and similar sort of work environment. So how are you controlling that? There is no treatment other really? than there's no treatment other than pain management mostly um you can get some medical devices which i actually have a stack of referrals on my cork board that i need to go and fill in for like hip stabilizers wrist stabilizers i even have one for a special belt that keeps my hips from being too flexible hmm. damn you're going to go do this in the army <laughs> <laughs> Well, the gentleman, the, the the private first class said that it's a small lab and they're not terribly busy, but that's subjective. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. So are they wow. hiring only for model tech or do you think, like you said, you'd be able to do some digital? Because if it's a small area, maybe you can kind of look, offset some of that hardship of standing and grinding and all of that. Are you thinking about that? Um, I'm thinking about whatever they're going to throw at me. Yeah. Because at this point, like I said, my goal is to earn my CDT and I can't be in the model room earning a CDT. There's not exactly a specialty in that. So I want my Crown and Bridge specialty certificate. And that's where I'm at. So that might be a really good thing for you, you know, switching gears a little bit. Yeah. I do want to learn digital. Um, I am looking long term because of these conditions and while sitting in a chair isn't a you know, walk in a park for a lot of people either, it's going to be a lot easier on my body. In yeah, the run. I would say so. Yeah, the nice thing is the Crown and Bridge, you can use digital to get the certification now. Oh, they do. I did talk to a technician um, that was going to lab day. And I talked to him about all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, they're about to add on a digital component for a specialty. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, Barb wrote all the questions. And working very, very hard on it. And we're really excited about that. We actually have our um, uh, meeting coming up this weekend. So, yeah, it's really, um, I think there's a lot of excitement about that. And, you know, technicians that only do digital and they don't know all of the other things now, they can actually focus on their specialty. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's where my goal is at, is Crown and Bridge and digital. And I'm glad that there's going to be a specialty to add on to the CDT. Yeah. Awesome. And I know a lot of digital designers that don't have model room experience. And I can only imagine how much better of a designer you'll be understanding all of that occlusion and equilibration and, and, and all of that. Yeah. It, can, it only helps. Well, I mean, that's what I was taught when I was younger is everything has a purpose down the road. Um, Ron and Jeff were very keen on telling me what you're doing right now is going to serve down the road. You may not get it, but there is a bigger grand scheme for why you're doing your model work the way you're doing it, why I need you to remount this case, why I need you to do this. It's frustrating for me when I was 19, 20 and... I, I just, I didn't get it, but now sure. I do understand it. So um, I've, I've met Sir, a ceramist that has never worked in the model room. He's like, I don't know how to pour models. <laughs> I don't know anything about this. Like what? I know a lot of technicians that don't know how to pour models. <laughs> Barb, can you pour a good model? Yeah, I actually started with refractory models. So I used to make the impression and then um, pour up the refractory models into it, flip it over into the base and then I would cut it out just like um, she was saying, Marcia was saying with the saw, I'd have mm-hmm. to cut out the dies and trim the dies. So believe it or not, Elvis, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and for I did that for probably three years. So yes, absolutely. Did you really? Wow. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I enjoyed that part of it. I, I agree with Marcia. I really liked, uh, you know, just the whole, you know, stirring it and pouring it in and making sure you didn't get any bubbles and, you know, just the whole thing. I, I enjoyed it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was satisfying and it allowed me to be artistic while mm-hmm. creating something. Yeah. I always considered it as like, I'm being artistic and I'm providing a service without having to deal with people. Yeah. Agree. Uh, that is one of the benefits of being a lab technician. Yeah. <laughs> but Not I, having to deal with the public. Yeah. Did you use a stone mixer? What do they call that thing that Whitmix makes that 
vacuum mixer. Yeah, vacuum. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So affordable care didn't have vacuum mixers, which really like drove me up the wall. Having been in Crown and Bridge for the three years I was in, I was like, why don't we have a vacuum mixer? Like air bubbles. No. Like yes, I almost had a panic exactly. attack with that. <laughs> but yes, the Crown and Bridge definitely. I think all Crown and Bridge have vacuum, vacuum mixers. And, yeah. Or they should. They damn well should. I mean, I don't know how you're going to keep from having micro bubbles without it. Yep, like, exactly. Without a vacuum mixer, you can't, can't you mix out the bu- air bubbles yourself? I've never used one, honestly, but I've never, I haven't poured that many mods. <laughs> <laughs> so without the vacuum mixer, um, you basically would try to get them out using the tabletop vibrator. And yeah. that's a little bit of a science too, because you can over vibrate it and cause air bubbles because the mix will start churning in on itself oh. and creating. Yeah. So if you mix it too high, it'll churn in on yourself. And if you mix it too low, you're really not doing anything. So there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say a flick of the wrist, but there's a little tweaking to it. Sure. I've poured up alginates a lot in my life because I was the last one at the lab every day. You know, that whole alginate comes in with the late afternoon driver, and that was me, but I had no idea I could over-vibrate something. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of science in the model room. I, I don't know if other people consider it, but, I mean, I considered it because I also liked working with chem- chemistry because I was a soap maker for three years. Hmm. Um, and there's there's a lot of science behind I mean, I think everything in dental technology, but specifically in that model room, like the climate of the room itself can affect your pores tremendously. Like the humidity the and humidity the, and, and the, the temperature. Heat. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. How do you control that or do you control that and just work around it? Um, so what me and my guy at my last place did, we put up like during the summer, we would put up tower fans. To keep mm. air circulating and keep the try to keep some of the humidity down, that's one way you can do it. So it's, it's sure. yeah, it's about providing circulation. So the winter time's like the good time for for pouring because it's a little cooler, it's a little less humid. Summertime, you've got more humidity and more heat. And when it comes to the stone, heat applied to the stone actually causes it to set up more. Yeah, I had to pour up a model chair side yesterday it was freezing cold in there and it took forever for it to set up <laughs> yeah yep exactly like i looked online it's like eight to ten minutes 25 minutes later yeah you know, you're like yep. oh yep. it's kind of getting hard <laughs> yep it'll do that um i just lost my train of thought there sorry <laughs> nope <laughs> i do that for people <laughs> i know a lot of people that when they pour up models they don't measure water to stone ratio Sounds like you would be big onto that. Maybe a little OCD. I almost lost my ish at this very, very last spot. Very, very last spot. I walked in the door and two things I already knew they were doing wrong in there. And this little, in this was an in-house lab. Okay. So it was three other technicians. One of them was the CDT. The other two had maybe two years total under their belt. And mm-hmm. they were trained by somebody else, not that particular CDT. Okay. So they're yep. um, using stone slurry to pour up their models, which there's no, oh. there's nothing wrong with using stone slurry. Now, mind you on that one, but it's when you're using different stone slurry for, you know, compared to what you're actually pouring, can mess up things like your expansion rate, your compression ratio, um, set times, stuff like that. And yes, I'm absolutely somebody who would measure so, like, they would use dye stone slurry for buff stone? Yes. Like, I, I saw this girl, like, grinding up some old blue models. I, I hadn't gotten to look at what their stone was yeah, sure. at the time. So I just saw her grinding it up to make slurry. And then she pours it into the bottle. And then she's pouring up the, uh, oh, no, it was the expensive implant stone model. Mm-hmm. It was Fuji Rock IPS, I think. Fuji Rock. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all good. I don't know the name brand. <laughs> I'm surprised I knew Buff. Yeah, it's it's the expensive Fuji Rock that's like fifty bucks a box. Oh yeah. God, yeah. And um, they were using blue dye stone slurry in that Fuji Rock because they wanted it to they wanted to to set up faster. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That's how you end up with your models completely out of whack. 
and things not fitting in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Things yeah. not fitting in the mouth because you've got distortions, you've got porous models. It boils back down to that thing I mentioned about chemistry. Like all these things matter. True. I mean, they were using tap water instead of distilled water. And I'm like, you don't use tap water with this stuff. I'm like, why? I'm like, um, because the chemicals in the tap water can interact with the chemicals in the stone and completely mess up everything. So wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait so a minute. true. You got You have to use distilled water when pouring up models? Yes. <laughs> I, had to, guys, uh, I had to go hunt down the distilled water and keep some beside me. Yeah, that's what we do. Here. Oh, yeah. That's what we do here, too. Yeah, of course. Everybody knows there's chemicals and crap in tap water. Elvis, where are you from? I had no, I mean, I don't, the lab I'm currently at, I don't know what they do. But the lab I was at previously, yeah, we got that straight out of the tap. Really? Interesting. Wow. Yeah, I think. What? I, (sighs) I would, I would lose my shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would. I had no idea. I would implode if I saw that. I, I would keep myself, you know, calm on the outside, but it just, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. You must go through crap loads of distilled water. Yeah. Yeah, we were at the lar- last. La- yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. At the last large place I was at, um, they got to the point where they stopped buying distilled water and they got their own tabletop distiller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's expensive piece of equipment, but in the long run, it'll start paying for itself. Well, shite. I just learned something huge. Hallelujah. It's only April. Cool, <laughs> yep. You got to do it properly. What other wonderful model tidbits do you think you might have for me? I mean, I, I, could, I couldn't tell you like right off yeah. the beat. Like, uh, one of the big things that stands out is how all these different steps can affect things like, you know, your expansions, uh, the strength of the model versus porosity. What about a humidifier? Do you use those? I've not, no, not, I've not seen any of the labs I've been in use a humidifier. What, you put it in like a. Yes. The thing that makes like beef jerky? I think it's like a dehydrator or a humidifier. Yeah. yeah one of those. Yeah. A dehydrator. Yeah. yeah. And you mean just, a dehydrator for like yes. dehydrating meats? That's what I wanted to say. Yes. Oh, no. We did, um we actually had a toaster oven. Yeah, that's cool. For, for drying out. We have out. our own little ways. Yep. Yeah. So, the, so if, at first they had like a, a heat lamp or something uh-huh. um, and then the bulb blew on it. <laughs> Yep. And so the lab, yeah, so the lab owner brought us down this old toaster oven. I'm just like, all right, bet. I'll That's give it. it a go. And for no. like the first month, our room smelled like Hot Pockets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's making me funny. so hungry. But yeah, it actually works out because you're applying heat to your models and it causes them to set up fast. It's not just drying them, but they're setting up faster yeah. because the application of heat speeds up the setting process. It's the exothermic reaction that's yeah. going on. Is that something you can do too hot, too fast? Mm. Can you put a model in there and just crank it up if you need something done? Or is it a longer it. kind of drying I mean, you, you can. It's just it's going to be hot as hell, but I don't yeah. know. I know. I mean, I know I've rushed the models in the toaster oven. Yeah, but I've never had any downside to rushing. You must them. be a dental technician if you've rushed something somehow. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, We're, we've all cut corners. Oh yeah. Hopefully not to the detriment of anything, but yeah. you know, within reason. I saw a video the other day of somebody online that was trying to get a, a zirconia framework out of the oven and make it go fast, and he kept touching it and touching it and touching it and touching it until he could grab it and then put it in between his hands and go. <sighs> oh my god, that's so me. Yeah, <laughs> not every day, but I've done that just to hurry. And my hands, you would think, you know, my hands would be sensitive, but they're not. I can take some heat, but it's fun. So yeah, we all do it. I'd probably set up a little fan. Yeah. <laughs> blow it down. <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen people put a, a fan on the table and blow it on models. I've seen that. Yeah, that I mean, that, that that works, I guess. That's a pretty classic yeah. move, I think. Yeah. No, <laughs> just get a little toaster oven, line, line the rack with some foil. Be all right. Yeah. And then when you're having lunch, you know, I've thrown pizza in there too, right next to models. <laughs> That doesn't mess with humidity. No, no. <laughs> Mushrooms given off. Nah, nah. <laughs> well, I would have to say good luck tomorrow. I hope that goes Absolutely. really good for you. 
yeah. I really hope that you're able to uh, find some different, you know, skills with digital and do a little bit of model work and hopefully get in a position where you're not sore all day and, you know, super miserable. It sounds like you've got your hands full health-wise, but I, I'm hoping that you get there and you really enjoy it. Yeah, I'm always nervous, but, you know, I just, I hope I can find a happy place, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I encourage everyone that, that's listening right now, pause, go to your model room. And say, and say thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. And say good job. And don't do it just that once because we put a lot of pressure on the, all those technicians that do a lot of work. Yeah. I know they do. And yep. they deserve the respect that they should get. Marsha, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate this. Thank you. This all started because I was just looking for some some wholesome memes. <laughs> yeah, and how did you, Elvis, how did you find Marsha? Or did you have an Instagram page as well? Or did you just see Elvis's crazy memes? So this is funny. Elvis, I had friended him or linked him on LinkedIn a while back. Oh. Because when I saw your name... I was like, wait a minute, that looks really familiar. And I go to my LinkedIn page. I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Okay. (laughs) Well, holy crap. All right. But yeah, it was just, I was on Instagram and I started following you guys because the CDT I was working with at the very, very last spot, she did some stuff with you guys. And she's like, you need to listen in. And I'm like, all right. And I listened in. I'm like, all right, this makes me feel good. Wholesome dental technology memes. And one night I was just up late and I had a few drinks on me and I'm like, can we get some model room memes or something? And then Elvis and I just started chatting about, you know, know, me possibly going to lab day, which I didn't go. And so this is where we're at. Yep. And I still owe you some model room memes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do one about tap water here pretty soon. Actually, yeah, you should. (laughs) That was a really good one. Yeah. No, no more tap water, folks. Please, no, please. Yeah, apparently I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Marsha. Thank you so much. Let us know how it goes. Thank um, you. Thank you. Best thank of luck you. to you. I appreciate it. You guys have a good Absolutely. day. Absolutely. A big thanks to Marsha for coming on our podcast. I tell you what, it's not easy working any job when you are struggling with health issues, but the model room makes it that much harder because it's really a physical job. To update on Marsha, since the recording, the job at the military base did not work out, but she did find a home in another lab that is mostly digital, so she'll be able to grow her skills and take on some scanning, nesting, and milling. And I'm telling you, guessing by her determination, soon she will probably be designing. Way to go, Marsha. So I want to add real quick that during this episode, oh yeah, I was surprised to learn that people use distilled water in the model room. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's something you have to do. I checked with my lab derby. They do, in fact, use distilled water and filter it when they pour up all their models. So I just want to make sure we're clear because I wasn't sure at the time. (laughs) Well, of course they do things right, Elvis. I would hope so. (laughs) Reed Nunnally, yes, he's the best. You should have seen their face when I asked them. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Ah, and now for the third week in June, here are the audio thanks that we got for CDT and Dental Technician Appreciation Month. Hi, this is Mandy Arena. I'm part of the RDA, the Illinois Dentures Association. I just wanted to take a moment to thank all of our supporters, everyone that's helping us and supporting us to make dentures legal. Not only just in Illinois, but in all, all the states. There's several states that are in the process of making it legal. Let's make it legal in all 50. Thank you, guys. Thanks for supporting us and helping us along the way. You're a big part of it, and we couldn't do it without you. Happy Dental Technician Month. Julio Munoz, you're the best partner anybody could have. Love you, man. You rock. Holy schmoly, I've been caught out again, and you know I have to deliver. What's up, Elvis and Barb? It's your poster fanboy, Joe Young of Young Dental Lab in Philadelphia, and you know I can't let you down. The podcast gives me purpose in social media life. It offers me hope and meaning and a reason to get up Monday mornings. I know I'm not alone in saying that I'm grateful for your efforts. Your contributions to the industry are enormously tremendous and impactful, 
So thank you both for all you do. Just saying, you're the reason I smile, laugh, and drink. Shameless plug, if you're a true fan of the podcast, look us up on Facebook under Fans of Voices from the Bench to join the fun. Now get the f*** back to work. We've got smiles to make. A super big thanks to everybody that sent in their audio. I'm going to send in mine this week, Elvis. Okay. You have one more week to get them into us. So everyone who has messaged us telling us that they will and still haven't, yes, yes, do not be ungrateful. Seriously, get them in just before June is over. Let's go. All right, everybody. That's all we got for you. And we will talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. Oh, God.